Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Am I here? Hello, we're back. It's time for Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope you're having a fabulous day. It is Friday. We have made it through the week. I mean, honestly, we deserve... Actually, I'm just about to press a random button and see what happens. Oh, it's an amen. That was actually perfect. I love that. Amen to that. I have no clue what that button is even used for. I just decided to press it. Um, So very (laughs) excited. Shira is not here. She will be back on Monday. But guess who's here? Basham. Ryan Basham is joining us once again. I tried to contact HR to get rid of him, but didn't work. You know, you may or may not know this, but I cut the cable on your phone. So that's why you don't reach anybody anymore. I think that's actually why I was wondering. I was like, I know I just paid my phone bill. (laughs) This is wild. But can we talk about something really quick? Because I was kind of embarrassed last night. Okay. So I went to to a dinner. And Mm -hmm. it was just like a, you know, a regular dinner, whatever. And literally as I walk up, the people like that, you know, take you to your seat, the host... They literally were like, oh, "Oh my God, hi. It's so good seeing you again. Uh And I was like, okay, first of all, please don't do this when my friend comes because I don't want them to think that I eat here all the time. Um, And like the guy kept like, oh my God, you were just here like two days ago, weren't you? And I'm like, yes. Uh, (laughs) I was. And then my friend comes, we're sitting down. He's a little late, but he, you know, whenever he comes. And now we're getting bombarded by other folks I had interacted with two days ago, like servers and like, you know, the the staff there uh-huh. all coming by being like, oh, my God, I'm so good seeing you. I'm like, please, can y'all not know this was my spot? That's so funny. And it wasn't even like a date or anything, but like the embarrassment of just going to a restaurant. I mean, this is actually used to happen to me uh, at a McDonald's that was down the street from my last place. <laughs> The lady at the drive-thru got a little too comfortable. She thought she knew. She would be like, oh, my God, hi. And I'd be like, girl, please give me my food. Wow, friends. <laughs> so wait, so wait, 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 wait. Did, did these people recognize you only because you'd been there two days ago or because you'd been in there a lot? Okay, so what's coming up on today's oh. show, uh, Producer Shelby? Uh... Oh, I want the answer to that question, but we don't have time for that. Um, we are talking about this HBO Max fiasco. That'll uh-huh. be in a few hours, so yes, stick yes. around for that. Um, we're talking about how COVID affected the queer um, community and like how we see our relationships with family and friends, how we view social media. So there's lots of data there I'm excited to oh, get into. Oh, this is nice. This is exciting. Yeah. Good stuff today. 
today. And then a new study that proves that youth aren't identifying as transgender because of social contagion. Because Republicans think that they just see other trans people and want to be trans. But that is not the case due to the numbers. That sounds like the next apocalypse movie. I don't know what social, social contagion, contagion. Mean, But we're going to find out. So stick around. The show's going to be good today. Are you ready, Bachelor? It's going to be incredible. All right, well, let's do this real quick. Um, next hour, I'm going to tell you how to win tickets into Ben Platt. So stick around for that. I want to keep you waiting for more. You're welcome. Wow, that got a little weird. I don't weird. know if I have the stamina for this. That got a little weird, huh? So I- payrolls increase. <laughs> <laughs> Not ours, though. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I mean, you heard it here first. Okay, so payrolls increase uh, 528000 in July, which is much better than expected and a sign of strength for jobs market. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics actually reported this hike, and Biden is actually pretty happy about it. Here's what he had to say. This is me actually pulling up the clip. Here we go. Today, we received another outstanding jobs report. 528,000 jobs were added just last month to this country's employment. 528,000 jobs. We have now nearly doubled what we... We're almost at 10 million jobs. Almost at 10 million jobs since I took office. That's the fastest job growth in history. Today, We also matched the lowest unemployment rate in America in the last 50 years, 3.5%. Yes, 3.5%. Today, there are more people working in America than before the pandemic began. In fact, there are more people working in America than any point in American history. Well, all right. Um, The unemployment rate is now back to its pre-pandemic level and tied for the lowest since 1969. Yes. Let's move on to Alex Jones, because guess what? Um, InfoWars founder Alex Jones must pay $4.1 million uh, in damages to the parents of a six-year-old boy killed in the Sandy Hook mass shooting. The decision means that Jones um, could pay less than than the $150 million originally requested, but it remains to be seen how much Jones might be ordered to pay impunitive damages. The jury is expected to return today to weigh that amount. And uh, real quick, Dick Cheney um, caused Donald Trump a coward and a threat to our Republican, a new ad for his daughter. Wow. Haven't heard from him in a while, but here's what he had to say a little bit. Nation's 246-year history. There has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our Republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn what is I, this little house in the prairie music? I mean, and does that sound like the voice of somebody who would shoot someone in the face? Yes, actually. Oh, wait, you're right, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Please. And also, it's really ironic that he's talking about someone's threat to Republic and Mm -hmm. he and Bill When he served uh, an administration that didn't even win the popular vote. Yeah, kind of awkward. Well, it's time for the T-Report, and I heard you got some cool news, huh? Yes. I think we may even have a little sound to go on. Oh, God. I'm pressuring you. Fashion makes me do things that I don't want to. Listen, it's fun to watch. From here, you can't see it. It's fun to watch. Okay, here Mitchell we go. scramble. Did I do it? It's not. They not about. This is an instrumental. 
I just wanted to sing along. Okay, so uh, you may or may not have heard that Roxy Hart in Chicago on Broadway, which has been running for years and has had plenty of celebrities, but this character is now going to be played for the very first time by a trans woman. So you may remember Angelica Ross from Pose yeah, and many other things. Friend of the show, friend yes. of the station. We, we should have gotten her, her for here. this, but was too short a notice. Um, and uh, so she's going to be one of, she's not the first trans woman to play a lead role on Broadway, but one of the first and the first trans woman to play this role. Um, which is I'm really excited about. I think I, I would love to see this be a growing trend. And, you know, I mean, Broadway has been lagging in that way. So Broadway know. had peppermint. That's um, true. And then also we have to be like, I think when I think about conversations like this, like um, we don't know what performers were either like, uh, you know, being out doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't out. Like, if yeah. they're, you know, and yes. so like there could have been a trans performer that is, but, and that's how Peppermint talks about it. Like, a lot of people want to deem her to be the first trans woman on Broadway, but she's like, well, we don't really know that for sure. You gotta say openly. Yeah, and so I think that is uh, super important, the nuance of it. But Angelica Ross, shout out to you, I actually knew this weeks ago. Mary, why didn't you tell me? Um, because I am a friend and I don't put people's business out there. But anyway. Oh. Oh, so you had the down low on. The- oh, yeah. I see. You knew you know, this. Angelica this- and I are goodies. They're like besties. They're junies. Oh, jelly. Yeah, she's great. Um, all right. Well, and we're not actually yeah. besties, but we're friends. Okay, so <laughs> let's actually talk about something that we have to talk about. Last night, I was online and saw that Jezebel released this like whole article about the FBI and their super, super short investigation to Brett Kavanaugh's, you know, whole situation, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, apparently, it turns out that 400, uh, well, not 400, 4,500 tips were sent to the FBI on Brett Kavanaugh's sexual assault allegations. Well, what happened to them, Mom? Well, we're covering it up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, on Thursday, during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, FBI Director Christopher Wray admitted to Senator Sheldon Whitehouse that the Bureau's 2018 investigation into sexual assault allegations against then-Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh was a sham. Here is the moment where a Senator Whitehouse grills Director Wray's about how the FBI handled its sham investigation into Brett Kavanaugh during his confirmation. Here is the clip. Well, the confirmation process. So when it comes to the, answer the question. So when it comes to the tip line, uh, we wanted to make sure that the White House had all the information we have. So when the hundreds of calls started coming in, uh, we gathered those up, reviewed them, and provided them to the White House. Without investigation. Uh, we reviewed them and then provided them to you the You reviewed White them House. for purposes of separating from tip line traffic, but did not further investigate the ones that related to Kavanaugh, correct? Uh, correct. Um, is it also true that in that supplemental BI, the FBI took direction from the White House as to whom the FBI would question and even what questions the FBI could ask? Um, so it is, it is true. So, yeah, a lot to unpack here because, you know, I think everyone right now, when, you're, when, I, when I say everyone, I mean like constituents, voters, I think there is an uh, uh, honest distrust in our government and specifically our Supreme Court. And the fact to continue to hear that this is something that happened, the White House was involved as well in making sure these claims went away, they weren't properly investigated. I wonder, how does the governmental process actually regain the trust of the people? You know, 
distrust in government is something that is kind of in the fabric of our society. So there will always be some of that. Um, and then there are things that happen that people don't understand but weren't wrong. And that creates some distrust. But in this case, <laughs> clearly the government failed. Yeah. Um, and, and the government failed specifically because Donald Trump and his most senior advisors in the White House deliberately made it so that the government would fail. They, they wanted Brett Kavanaugh and his potential misdeeds to be swept under the rug as quickly as possible. Um, I think at this point, you know, it's basically impossible to remove a Supreme Court justice. It's, it's an impeachment process similar to impeaching a president, so it will probably never happen. But that's the thing. When, we're think- when I'm thinking about Clarence Thomas, when uh-huh. I'm thinking about now Brett Kavanaugh, when are we actually going to see due process? Yes. Well, here's the thing. It took a million little things to get us here in a bad in a bad way. Yeah, it's going to take a million little things to get to, us out to of get it. it. Yes, and one mm-hmm. of the but one of the first things we can do. Here's the deal: if we get two more Democratic senators in the Senate in the midterm elections, that will be enough. If because we'll have then 52, so we can take off the two that won't break the filibuster or whatever. Mm-hmm. We can do some more stuff, but we don't even need that necessarily. If we hold the Senate. We can just we can pressure the Biden administration to appoint more justices because there can be up to, I think, 21. It's called packing the court. And that's at least something we can do to do to counterbalance these people that we won't be able to get rid of. Yeah, but Basham, I feel like regular people aren't thinking about the technical political packing the courts. They're thinking about the fact that Kavanaugh was literally a part of stripping away the rights Mm -hmm. of human beings everywhere in this country. How are we supposed to balance really feeling motivated to do anything at all, especially when our 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 government's not going to do anything about it besides it relying back on us to pack the damn courts? Yeah. You know, um, I'm, it makes me think of something Benjamin Franklin said after the Constitution. Wow, Congress. you are like a history I know, book. Like, I know, gross. right? Somebody right after they finished writing the Constitution, someone went up to Benjamin Franklin and said, what, what did you give us? And he said... A, a democracy if you can keep it. Mm, was that a scene in Hamilton? Did I miss that I one? think I don't think they did touch that in Hampton. Uh, but but what I mean by that is we we lose for good when we give up. And there's a difference between healthy skepticism and cynicism. Mm. Even if we have the plenty of right to be cynical about mm. it, that's intellectual laziness and it's surrendering to the failure of democracy, which is not something we have to do. So yeah. I would say, you know, remember Indivisible when people were doing Indivisible groups? Yeah. Um, that still is a thing. I think we need to get people, more people to be motivated to create those individual groups, Indivisible groups, and then they can collectively put pressure on their legislators to pay more attention to this. Something else that happened um, in this uh, this bill that they're about to pass in reconciliation in the Senate that they were hoping Christian Sinema would get behind, they got her behind it by cutting the carried interest loophole, which means you know that's uh, that makes it so that people who make money from investments can pay a lower tax rate it's really wrong it's super wrong benefits the super rich she campaigned for it to get cut and that's why she approved it Mm. approved of it so that's another way where if we were putting better pressure on our legislators in an effective constructive way yeah um we could have more influence over little things like that but it requires it requires ongoing maintenance. That's the thing. Our democracy, like our cars, like our homes, requires ongoing maintenance. And we'll never know all the ins and outs of how our car works, you know, but we will over time learn a little bit more, a little bit more. And sooner or later, we know enough to make a difference. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end this conversation. It's just more and more is going to come out. I think oh, more yeah. and more people are going to feel a certain way. And I think right now, leading into this time that we're in when it comes to the midterms, mm-hmm. heading very, very soon to us. Yeah. Um, 
every little thing matters. Absolutely. Every little moment, every little feeling mm-hmm. matters. And you may not be able to do anything about every little thing, but whatever you can do about some of those things makes a difference. All right. Tell me what's coming up next. Oh, all right. You know what? I just had a moment. I feel like we went to church about democracy. Um, so let's talk about something that, you know, you may have heard about conservatives uh, saying, using this myth called social contagion to describe how children are coming out as trans. Um, but a new study has debunked that, and we're going to talk about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. In their ongoing quest to bully trans youth for political gain, conservatives propagate myths like the idea that trans kids identify as trans because of what some call social contagion. Now, a new study has debunked these myths that have become popular on the right. Here with us now is Brooke Migden, staff writer for Changing America, to discuss. Thanks for joining us, Brooke. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, So... Can you give us the top line first? What is this? Um, what does this study cover, and, and what did we learn? Sure. Uh, so this study really uh, debunks, like you said, this theory that's been embraced mostly by conservative politicians or policymakers um, or people in the medical field who are seeking to restrict gender-affirming care, um, and it's this theory that. or cisgender youth, rather, um, are falsely identifying as transgender um, because of this social contagion theory, Um, i.e. they think it's a trendy thing to do. They're influenced by social media and their peers. Um, And this study proves that that is just certainly not true, which is something that, uh, you know, we have really known all along. Yeah, I guess, can you be more specific about in the ways that we're seeing conservatives use this talking point and how they're applying it to either the legislation that they're creating and the anti-LGBTQ legislation that we're seeing that are attacking so many youth across this country? Sure, definitely. Uh, So one popular bill that we saw pop up in a number of states this legislative session um, was one that would have stripped doctors who provide gender-affirming care to transgender youth of their medical licenses. Um, And it would, of course, prohibit um, the, it would prohibit transgender youth from receiving um, gender-affirming medical care like puberty blockers or hormones. Um, So during one of those hearings in Missouri, we saw the representative who sponsored that bill telling uh, her colleagues that the, quote, root cause of gender dysphoria is abuse or mental disorders or what she called social contagion. Um, So kids in Missouri are influenced by uh, social media influencers who are transgender or just the general um, acceptance of transgender people. They think that they'll be popular if they identify as transgender, um, which is not the case. Uh, we also saw a similar thing happen in Ohio. Uh, a almost identical bill was being debated, and the sponsor of that bill also said that transgender youth are often influenced by social media or what he said was a desire to fit into a certain group. Uh, this is a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we only have time for one more question. So can you just give us real brief, um, you know, there have been other studies in this space, some that even seem to contradict it. Can you just give us a little bit more of a broad view of wh- where the state of this the studying this is and where it might be headed? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a complicated question. Uh, just... Great question to ask with a few <laughs> seconds left, right? I know, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, this study definitely changes things. Um, like I said, it um, just adds um, empirical evidence to a conversation uh, that we kind of already knew was happening. Yeah. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what studies build off of this evidence. Um, we have seen previous studies that disprove the what they call social contagion hypothesis and this uh, debunks theory of rapid onset gender dysphoria. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I'm always interested in how these uh, studies that actually have data uh, attached to it, it really impact how you know we move forward just because Republicans and conservatives are so um, good at revisionist history. Mm-hmm. And so even if the facts exist, in their eyes, the facts don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so uh, there's not really much that you can say to that. It's yeah, just my it, final point. Never let the facts get in the way of a good argument. Um, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we should have taken three segments for this, but really appreciate your 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 time and please come back with more info on this when you have it thank you so much okay so we're moving and kind of pivoting here because there's an age-old argument of who's the better driver and unfortunately this is a gendered conversation Mm. well what about it when it comes to self-driving cars i think um you're gonna be surprised who's the better when it comes to self-driving cars even though it's like is it the car well, find out next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Would you all in this studio consider yourselves to be good drivers? Bash me first. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although I did total my car at the beginning of the pandemic. I was wondering if you were going to disclose that information. Producer Shelby, what about you? Well, I did get a perfect score on my driving test when I was Your 16. written one? Are no, your... my driven driving test. I missed like two points on my written one, and then I got a perfect score on my driving one. But I will say, driving in Ohio is very different from driving here. Oh, that's so yeah. true. Yes. Yeah. So... And I also was going to say, I feel like you got a perfect score because that somehow ended up being a trauma response of your anxiety. You're like, I have to be perfect. <laughs> I literally was. I remember I was at a stop sign, and I looked each way too many times and he was like you can go and I was are like, you I'm serious just that's hilarious yeah. when i took my driving test someone i was trying to change lanes on the highway and someone was coming like 100 miles an hour down the, the lane i was about to get into mm-hmm. and i didn't see them Ooh. and so the the driving instructor grabbed the steering wheel and pulled us back into the and then he, he wasn't mad he wasn't and then he just started laughing at me uh, well i mean <laughs> it, maybe it was just a little funny i mean yeah you know, funny we almost got killed it's cool okay you gotta break that tension of death yeah. maybe it's the, not the worst thing he's seen. So this yeah. interesting new study uh, may have the answer to an age-old question, who are the better drivers, men or women? And researchers from Newcastle University reveal that women respond quicker and exhibited more stable takeover control than men in automated cars. Mm. Now, as the future is upon us, and, you know, Elon Musk ain't going back to his home planet, mm. and he's continuing <laughs> to make, you know, self-driving cars. Yeah. Everyone is wondering, should car makers build specific vehicles for men and women? No. 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 How weird is that? Is it like you go to a car dealership and it's like, okay, so you need to go over to the men's side and you go to the women's side. What And what is the women's side? Like, what type of car is that? Like, what does that even mean? Seriously. And then I think, I mean, like when I go to a clothing store and things are separated by gender, sometimes I see things and I'm like... Why can't, am I not allowed to buy that? Oh, I you know buy what I mean. Clothes all the time. I go anywhere. Yeah, seriously. Right? Exactly. I I do think 
um, you know, speaking of my driver's history, um, <laughs> I um, I got my driver's license at 16, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, I did have a, a, like, I also started college when I was 16. And I had, what? Um, I ended up having, getting a car every single year. <gasps> <laughs> so you were yeah. advanced enough to go to college two years early, but not an advanced enough of a you driver. Know, she was a, she was a driver that was maybe not the most responsible. And it would be like stupid stuff, like, I was I used to work at this a grocery store cashier and I would like I was leaving work and instead of like realizing my car was in like uh, drive I thought it was in reverse and I hit a pole. <laughs> oh you know, wow! I was like things like okay, I my car like you know like it was like little things That's like that. So funny. But my mother loved me so much that she you know was able to help me get other cars. But I will say my insurance paid a pr- like a pretty penny for it. Okay, mm-hmm. which is quite annoying. That there is a uh, there is a gender thing when it comes to your car insurance. Oh, 100%. Yep. Yeah. That's awful. And I don't know if I'm the poster child for that. Like, I was born and then I had these accidents and then mm-hmm. maybe I'm the reason why. So how maybe many cars? Maybe problem. I've had, I've had a total of four. I oh. Count. Yeah, oh, that's four. not that many. Not that, not, I mean, when you said every to- year. I mean, um, a total of, when I say a total of four during that period, I've oh. had two cars I've had two. Well, I've actually had three cars. I've gotten myself three mm-hmm. different cars, mm-hmm. but my mom got me four different cars. Oh, so you've had many, many cars. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had my first car for like seven or eight years, and I only had to get rid of it because someone stole the catalytic catalytic converter off Which, the bottom. Oh my God, this, that's a thing that's happening here in Los Angeles. Yes, it was here. <gasps> wow. I had that car long enough to move to LA with it. So no gender, no gender drivers, no like specific vehicles for men or women. That no, sounds like a bad idea. that's a dumb idea. idea. Just be a better driver, men. Uh, wow. <laughs> I don't think men are going to change. No. Not no. that drag. Okay. No. Anyway, coming up, what Lauren Boebert thinks about monkeypox. And Kevin Bacon talks about the importance of his new queer horror film. Is that the They Slash Them? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Okay, another hour down and honey, we are back in, like I said, Cher Lazar is out, but um, Ryan Basham is here. Oh, hey. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, a little birdie told me that you got your uh, monkey box vaccine. Huh? I did. I got it now. Like, Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I got it almost four hours ago and I feel fine. Um, says the sweat on his forehead. Yeah, but I'm just a sweaty person. <laughs> I told you I have oily skin. It's why I look so young. Well, I mean, I hope it continues to be fine. I hope it, it, it was a line long. Give us some insight. I got, so I got there like 30 minutes before the site was supposed to open, and there were like 12 people in front of me. Where did you go? I went to, so I live in L.A. County, so I went to the site in South L.A. because people have been saying that's the one that it was least attended or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I got there at like 1030, and I was gone. I was done by 1130. Was the process smooth? Did you have to prove oh, something? Oh, yeah. They were so smooth. I was really, it was 100% different from the beginning because i've heard you got to show your prep bottle pills i I think i hear that that differs depending on you know the person who screens you when you check in but as long as you've gotten so la county you sign up and you can get a text if you have that text you're good and they also change the requirements in la county so now if you say that you have had multiple anonymous sex partners in the last 14 days that qualifies you so i have to say that i was a whore last weekend well yeah it's believable and it might be true it's believable. No, it hasn't been. It's been so long. Lucky Fox is ruining everything. Let's talk about Ben Platt. <laughs> Let's talk about something happy. Ben Platt, we want Channel Q. Uh, Channel Q here, we want to fly you and a friend to Orlando to see Ben Platt at his biggest North American tour to date. Enter to win at wearechannelq.com for your chance to win round-trip airfare for two, a two-night hotel stay, and $200 gift card. You know what? $200 in Orlando can get you a couple of things. Like three drinks. Um, and two <laughs> VIP tickets to see Ben Platt in Orlando October 6th. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. I'm very excited about that. I can't wait to, for Ben Platt to come here because I can't wait to see him. I'm obsessed with him, and I hope you win. So may the odds forever be in your favor. Mm. Um, Producer Shelby, what's coming up later this hour? We are talking about us queer folk and what exactly COVID did to us when it comes to our social relationships and those types of things. And then we were talking about activism and how if maybe you want to start dabbling in activism, how you can start. Thank you. You know, I just love hearing from you. So thank you so much. Yeah, I just love your voice. Can you like record like my Mm. ringtone and outgoing message on my voicemail? I I was told I should be a narrator for National Geographic, but I hate my voice. (laughs) Yes, there's money in that. I'm sure there is, but I hate my voice. You could also do ASMR. Ew, ew. No, we're not getting into that. It's giving like you could just be a voice character for like the Powerpuff Girls. Ooh, I would do that. Oh, yeah. You're a buttercup for sure. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into what's happening this hour. Well, top of the hour news, of course. Uh, Senator uh, Kristen Sinema, the centrist Arizona Democrat, on Thursday night agreed to support the Democrats' um, bill, our package that addresses climate change, health care, and taxes. This breakthrough gives the Democrats the 50 votes they need to pass the legislation dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act in the coming days. About damn time, as Lizzo would say. Um, Up next is Lauren Boebert. Yeah, we started with good news. Here's some bad. She continued her suspicion of public health measures to fight infectious diseases by suggesting that Democrats made up monkeypox to win in the midterm election on Blaze TV's The News and Why It Matters. Here is this unfortunate audio. Um, but go back to COVID. 
They shut mm-hmm. down our churches. Mm-hmm. They shut down our schools. They shut down our businesses, our grocery stores. I, I, it was absolutely insane. Everything, the entire planet was shut down over this. And we know exactly what causes <laughs> this monkeypox, and they're not doing anything. No, actually, you're a bigot if you talk about it. Right. And, and and I think it's uh, interesting. We have midterm elections coming up, and suddenly mm-hmm. there's a mm-hmm. new yep. health mm-hmm. emergency from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I mean. So did she just basically, in my opinion, how I receive that, is she saying that the Democrats did this because, like, Republicans don't know how to handle any type of yeah, she's pandemics or anything? Yeah, she's saying that it's a conspiracy that this was that was engineered by Democrats. Well, the funny thing is it's like she's also admitting that Republicans can't actually like handle any issues. 100%. So yeah, shout out to Lauren. She's great. She's making us win. Um, I wanted to talk about Kevin Spacey. Maybe I'll do that next hour. I don't want to, you know, give you too much drama. Um, what's called, what's happening in the team report? You ready? Oh yes. Different Kevin. Kevin Bacon. So you oh, may know that. Oh my um, God. We had bacon yesterday. Yesterday's meeting was delicious. Oh, I love some bacon. But he's also a cute bacon too. Yeah, we'll take it. Ah, oh, I want to age just like him too. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so you know, he's got a new film out called They them. It, they slash them. They slash them. It's like you would ex- write down pronouns. It's about a group of teenagers at an LGBTQ conversion camp, and they un- endure unsettling psychological t- psychological techniques while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. It's literally a slasher film. Isn't that such a creative yeah, title? But in yes, in a gay conversion camp, basically. And he he's been speaking out about how um, he and his wife Kira Sedgwick have always been really open about supporting their kids and figuring out who they are. And one of the things he said that really struck me was like he said he struggles with the idea of other parents rejecting their children and i'm like ah yes if only all parents thought like the baconator yeah the baconator thanks baconator for being a good parent (laughs) even though i have heard uh, mixed reviews on that film but i'm gonna keep those to myself and talk to you about it in the break Right. So there's more TV uh, uh, pop culture news coming up next hour. So Bash will have that for you. But let's get into our next topic. We all know COVID has changed our social interactions and perceptions. But how has it affected the queer community specifically? That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, there have been tons of studies researching the ways the pandemic has changed our social interactions with one another. But our next guest co-created a study that looked at the different ways college students define their support systems in the height of COVID by simply examining their experiences of either being straight or queer. Joining us to break this down further is Nicole Watkins, a current program evaluator at Drexel University. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. So we know this study looked at multiple experiences here, but we really wanted to specifically speak about the LGBTQ angle, of course. Yes. But before we get into that, though, talk to us about why this study is important now. Yeah, absolutely. So we all know that, you know, the COVID pandemic um, caused a lot of um, uprooting in a lot of people's lives. Uh, A big group of people who it really impacted were college students. And so my focus in my research is on emerging adults who are people around age 18 to 29. um, And they experience a lot of instability in their lives in general. It's also a time for people to, you know, figure out who they are. And oftentimes that's dealing with um, their sexual identity and kind of trying to understand that and um, an age of exploration. So uh, this was a really important time because our colleges, especially at the height of the pandemic in March 2020, of course, no one can forget that. But um, a lot of colleges 
you know, uh, kind of went into lockdown mode. People were kicked out of their of their dorms. They had to leave campus. And for a lot of people, that meant moving back home into their family households with maybe family members who didn't really support their sexuality or maybe they didn't come out to their family yet. Um, and so this meant that a lot of people may have been in put into environments that they didn't feel necessarily comfortable. Um, And so that was something that was really important for our study to really understand how um, aspects of someone's identity and their sociodemographic characteristics influenced or look um, was correlated with the support they received and how they potentially um, made up for that support, lack of support that we perceived college students as losing when they had to leave their college campuses. And so I, you know, I, I, I love when people study our community because I think we know so little about LGBTQ people when we compare it to how much we know about straight people in their lives. Mm-hmm. So I'm, this is so fascinating to me. And I, I wonder, did you gather anything about how uh, specifically what they used social media for? And, you know, like I imagine that the, the needs they needed to fill changed. Um, but, you know, I was in college way too long ago to know how I would use social media <laughs> if I needed it. So um, what did you learn about ex- what what they were using social media and that connectivity for? Yeah, so it's really interesting. One of the, I'll back up with the other finding first was that um, gay and lesbian and also people who identified as bisexual had uh, perceived less family support than those who were heterosexual. And I think the finding that you were specifically talking about was that gay, lesbian, um, emerging adults used uh, electronic communication more than heterosexual emerging adults for emotional needs. Now, I can kind of specifically tell you what those needs were, what those questions were. Um, So for emotional motives, it was that they were trying to get support when they were upset about COVID, trying to feel less lonely, um, to feel better when I'm upset about the COVID pandemic. And so really it's seeking that emotional support that they may not have been getting at you know, in their own environment that they were then pushed out of, out into from college. Um, so it, it wasn't necessarily through social media. Um, it was encompassing any sort of electronic communication. Hmm. So we, we kind of assumed that for a lot of people that meant social media, but it could have been um, like other virtual ways. meetings yeah. with your therapist. Yeah. Or... Wow. That's yeah, so Zoom. interesting. Mm-hmm. I also wonder, you know, intersectionality is such a huge part of these experiences, especially with Absolutely. how we respond to um, our experiences with dealing with this pandemic. How are you further working to include that in your future research? Yeah, thank you for asking. I'm so excited because this really, this gave us a little snapshot of, you know, people who identified with different um, characteristics who were maybe uh, identified with minority groups, but it's really looking at heterosexual versus queer or uh, black versus white or Hispanic versus white. And I really wanted to continue that with looking at the intersectionality, which means that people who have overlapping identities, those overlapping identities could impact someone differently. So someone who is black and queer could have different experiences and perceive support differently than someone who is white and queer, for example. So uh, one thing that we, my, um, 
my colleague and I, Professor Dubar, are doing is following a group of students who are part of the class of 2020. So they were freshmen coming in that fall of 2020. And we've been following them after every single semester. And one of the things they had to be to be part of the study was to identify with at least one minority group. And so we had a lot of people, we have approximately 30 some uh, students, and they had um, about 20 of them identified with at least two or more identities, and a lot of them identified as queer. Um, And so what we hope to do in the future is really look at their stories, because that's going to be important. How did a student who was first gen as well as queer or black and queer, how, how did they experience that transition to and through college? So, and I, I so know that, that is to come. Oh, sorry to cut you off. I just I'm wondering. I, I, this is fascinating, and and I see in 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 your study as I was reading it, I saw that you broke queer down into you know homosexual versus bisexual and things like that. And there was another yeah. category. So, did you explicitly uh, tease out you know folks who identify as trans or non-binary? And and if not, do you plan to do that in your next round? Yeah, so um, the the sample that we got, uh, we didn't have any non-binary, but we did have some um, transgender, which we do have a separate gender variable, and it was recategorized as female or male. And we put, um, so people who identified as transgender female uh, were lumped with female, and then transgender male were um, included in the male category. Um, so the other thing with the... Uh, the sexual orientation, we did look at gay, lesbian, and bisexual, and then uh, the other category included people who identified as pansexual, asexual. Unfortunately, that group was so small, yeah. like each individual group, that we couldn't do much with them separately. And that's mm-hmm. really the unfortunate thing about um, you know getting a large sample is that you still don't have enough information to get a good sample of some of these groups, which is really important to look at. Yeah, well, Nicole, thank you so much. This was so interesting and really interesting to break down. So thank you for the work that you're doing, and we hope to have you back when you add on more and you you dive in more. So thank you so much for being here. That was Nicole Watkins, Program Evaluator at Drexel University. Have you been thinking about being an activist, but you don't know where to start? We're going to talk about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. In today's political climate, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and exhausted. But with everything that's happening, you might be wondering, what can I do to make a difference? With us now is Julia Furlan, a a podcast host at Vox, NPR, and BuzzFeed, here to talk about how we can find small ways to bring organizing or activism into your life. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, our pleasure, too, of course. Um, So (laughs) let's start with this. What inspired you to dive into the topic and where did it lead you? You know, I think that uh, like many people, I've been feeling a little bit. um, It can be easy to feel frozen in front of like Mm. what everything that is terrible about the world right now. I mean, 2022 is really giving us a lot to work with and work against. Um, And so I wanted to talk to someone, I wanted to talk to Bria Baker, who is an amazing activist, to to really, like, drill down into the things that, like, anyone can do. You know, like, you can look left and right and figure out something, because I think that it's really hard to find hope sometimes, you know? 
I don't know about you guys. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I am. I am <laughs> black, queer, and fat, living in America, girl. Listen, I should be in the bed, listen. not getting out. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what's so interesting is there's always the the, the, the word activist and activism. There's a pressure around it because yeah. deeming yourself that creates a list of responsibilities that you have to uphold. And so I wonder how can someone jump into this space without feeling that pressure and just trying to take the baby steps in? Oh my God, that is such a good point. And I mean, Bria did, I mean, also like shout out to Bria, like shout out to the black women who teach us so much all the time. But Bria had a really good way of saying it, which is basically like you look, look around your community. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a master's degree in environmental science to know that you want to connect with nature and do better about like treating the world, you know? And I felt, I think that like keeping yourself or letting yourself off the hook when you're trying to do one good thing for the world is a really, really good place to start because uh, the alternative is just getting overwhelmed and like not being able to do a single thing at all. So speaking of overwhelm, that, that, tease up my next question so well. Uh, what kind of mindset should we come into activism with, especially if it feels overwhelming, overwhelming or otherwise alien to us? Oh, man. I mean, I think that we have to listen to another incredible writer, thinker, organizer, Bell Hooks. Yeah. Um, shout out to Bell Hooks. Mm-hmm. And, and lead with um, what Bell Hooks called radical love, which is basically the idea of, you know, uh, love or care for your community. So, you know, one thing that I started doing when I was feeling a lot of despair, basically about everything, I, um, I started delivering meals for the local food collaborative. I would like take one day a week and deliver, you know, 20 meals to people's houses in my community who needed it. And it just like, I, I didn't think it would help. And it really, really did. So I feel like, Looking for ways to love or care for the people around you in your community can be a really good first step. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful first step. And I think after 2020, kind of witnessing what the the racial awakening this uh, country specifically went through, yes. I wonder how do you make sure you're also not existing in a place of performatism? Yeah, I mean, actually, I think that... You know, real about yeah. it. Yeah, I think that it's important to make sure before you dive in, before you like roll up your sleeves and decide that you're going to change the world, you need to educate yourself on the things that local organizers and local folks are doing around you. You know, like this is not a a question of um, trying to usurp or try like trying to take up space in a community space that's already working. Look for opportunities to join people on the ground at the work, like in the work that they're doing. So that means, you know, saying you're not going to just like post on Instagram about it and, and like, you know, start a new, a whole new thing when you could actually just be going to a meeting. It's it's sometimes Mm. a lot more steady and a little bit more boring, you know, like it's not all, um, you know, it's not all done for performatism, but it actually helps if you're offering steady, 
support, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like maintaining our society is more like brushing our teeth. It's not necessarily always fun, but it's <laughs> yes. mandatory. Um, um, I just got yes. a fancy new toothbrush, and it's the best fun I've ever had. That's fair. Listen, I do enjoy my new sonicare. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I hear a lot of people say, I want to get involved, and I know what I want to support, but I'm not sure, like, concretely how to find something. So what are some quick tips to figure out where the opportunities to get involved can be found? Absolutely. I think that the first thing that you have to do is see the thing that you care about. So like, let's say it's uh, like, I want to, you know, reduce my carbon footprint, right? Um, The first thing that you can do is look for ways that you are, you know, ways that you can cut down in your own household and your own existence, right? And then you can see if there's anything like local, like a, like a composting club or a, I'm sorry, not a club. Probably there aren't composting clubs. But <laughs> there like, might be. There might there be. There definitely are in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are. But like see what kind of local organizations there are that are already doing the work that you want to do. And, you know, like it can be little stuff. You, you're like, okay, I, uh, I'm going to take my Amazon credit card and I'm going to spend the next three months making sure that like, I'm spending money at small businesses instead of using these big corporations. Mm. That's another like good way to start. Yeah, start with what you've got. I you also know? feel like whatever your cause is, there's probably a Facebook group for it. Um, Definitely. This is, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been really illuminating. Uh, Julia Furlan, oh, podcast joy. host at Vox, NPR, and BuzzFeed. You are incredible. <laughs> we hope to have you back. Thank you. I can't wait. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much. Oh, you're stuck with us. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, up next, you know that person in your life that always wants more and more? Well, guess what? Not me. Well, actually, I'm talking about you. Um, (laughs) They actually might not be able to control it. Wondering why? Stick around and find out more. And up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, so there's this, like, new research, which we've been talking a lot about research. Everyone is doing the research. It's because we're smart queers. I know, but, like, no, guys, there's so many studies. Like, I wish people would go to sleep and stop studying so much. <laughs> um, but I'm happy they are because this is so interesting. According to new research, our brains are programmed to keep wanting more and more and more, even if it leads to unhappiness. So apparently humans want more material things, even if we don't get happiness out of them. And scientists use this computer uh, simulations to try and explain the psychological trait. We basically pursue more rewards when we are habituated to a higher standard of living. So I wonder, what do you, I mean, who doesn't enjoy things? Especially when you have the, the ability to afford nice things. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Who doesn't want that? That's yeah. a, I think that's a human quality, right? Yes, and I, it makes me think about how you know some people are like, I'm going to be zen about my life and get rid of all my material belongings. Gross. Like, yeah, that's like a very small minority of people who can actually do that. Like, I always... I have so many clothes that I never wear Same. because I keep buying more clothes but never get rid of my old clothes. I, I mean, just do you, so you saying you have a lot of Power Rangers Spice Girl shirts? Oh, this is or... something I bought at Comic-Con. <laughs> uh, I wish this was a video. Look, it's the Spice Girls as the Power Rangers yeah, is the shirt I'm wearing. I just explained it. Well, I did it better. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just explain it better the first time and I won't have to clean up for you. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I I agree with um I relate to the fact that it's just like having too much stuff, but I I do think when I was younger, I will say I always got very excited like when my mom got a new car. There was something about going to the dealership and like doing the test drive with her that was just felt so like exhilarating. I I loved, you know, I I think Apple does a really good job at this where they they play into these feelings because every time there's a new iPhone, uh-huh, we all want it. Yes. So it's like how do we escape what capitalism has unfortunately like set us up to Well, it's experience? kind of this it's kind of this a vicious cycle because we 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 incentivize capitalism to do this to us. Like, mm-hmm. like it's part of our nature. Capitalism capitalizes on it, and then we reward it by continuing to take adv- to let them take advantage of us. And don't forget about social media. Hundred percent. You're, you're flaunting it. People want to yeah. want your life. Like, maybe is it is it a thing where like you know the the monkeys we evolved from like you know we're like in survival mode all the time, and so their brains evolved to always want more because they never had enough. Yeah. I'm trying to find a legitimate way to describe. Maybe we're just selfish, and I'm just trying to make it sound and, better. And, but that's the thing, you know. The lead study author, her name is uh, Ratchet Doobie at Princeton, actually talked to Daily Mail and said that our paper was inspired by findings about human happiness, particularly our propensity to keep wanting more, and we wanted to provide an explanation for this behavior. And sometimes I wonder, do we need an explanation for this behavior? Like, is it just us being humans? Like, especially humans in a society that. We have things. We, you know, we want more. We want to evolve our livelihoods if that's what you want. Like, if you're into materialistic things, like I was, I grew up an only child, and I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie to you. You know, a lot of people call me spoiled. What? No. Right? You? Me? Never. Couldn't believe it. And I. Whoa! I forgot the. Uh, <laughs> how many cars did your mom buy you? Ah! I forgot. Oh, oh. I forgot to turn her mic off. <laughs> No, but I think that's the thing, right? I I do think that, you know, there's something that people, especially if you grow up and if you grow up in a, um, um, in a space where you don't have the ability to have these things and you're yeah. looking to want something yeah. and you do get those things, it's kind of like an accomplishment, but then you have to kind of stop yourself from getting like out of control like mm-hmm. drunk off of it yeah it makes me think about like you know a lot of athletes who ha- come from humble beginnings they you know like professional athletes they get the big leagues yeah and then you know there's so many stories about how they get their millions of dollars they blow it right away and then once they're done playing you know once that career is over right they're in the poorhouse i always remember tony braxton uh when she was on oprah oprah was asking her how did she go bankrupt let's go there with shira and ryan channel q so you may know we that this show goes up as a fourth wall it goes up as a podcast after the fact and we got to record it 
or it won't. Yeah, very true. Well, we're back another hour down, and I am so excited because it's almost a weekend. Um, well, depending on when you're listening, this is already your weekend probably, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 100%. Which is quite wonderful. And here's the thing. If you are still listening and you're like, what am I going to do in October? I'm trying to plan a trap. <laughs> which I'm I ask myself to, daily. I mean, who is it? If you are an organized human... Our Virgo, our Capricorn, our Leo, you are on top of this. Yeah, no, not me. Channel Q wants to fly you and a friend to Orlando to see Ben Platt at his biggest North American tour to date. Answer your win at wearechannelq.com for your chance to win round trip airfare for two, a two night hotel stay, a $200 gift card, and two VIP uh, tickets to see Ben Platt in Orlando October 6th. Just head over to wearechannelq.com and enter for your chance to win. I'm typing in wearechannelq.com right now. So, unfortunately, you are unqualified. <laughs> and you cannot. <laughs> Where else does um, this come up in my life? Yeah, you know, a lot of places probably. But no, seriously, <laughs> I am very excited that we're doing this incredible giveaway. You know, things are back happening in full-fledged, and Channel Q is always your destination to try to get your way into all the hottest and fun events that are going on. So That's stick right. around. Always listen. You're welcome. Be on top of it. Get it together. <laughs> so, uh, producer Shelves. Hello. You know what it is. Uh, First of all, yes. you had a fact check, one, about a segment we just did, right? Uh, yes. Um, we were talking about a compost club, and we were like, that's probably not a thing. But I fact checked it, and it is. And the one organization I found was in the UK. Um, but I'm sure if you if you look locally, there's there's some kind of composting clubs and out there. I, and I just want to be I just want to be clear. Composting means that that's a trash club. Oh, um, it's a little more nuanced than that. Or is, or is it a club for you if you're trash? Well, you sign right up. You're the president, huh? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> card carrying member. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much, producer Shelby. Okay. Our, oh God. Co- coming yeah. up this hour, okay. we are talking about HBO Max, Discovery Plus, Warner Brothers Media, AT and T, all of that mumbo jumbo. What's going on with that? And then merging. And then we're going to talk about social media and how there's kind of conversation that people are addicted to it, but we shouldn't think of it as an addiction. We should think of it as a form of dissociation. Hold dissociation. the phone. All right. Well, we got a lot to get into. I'm super happy that we're about to dive in. Uh, let's get into top of the hour news. Everything you. Probably am wondering what's going on in the world while you've been listening. Well, White House COVID-19 coordinator Dr. Ashish Ja. Ashish Ja. Ashish. I wasn't like, is it ours? Anyway, <laughs> he dodged the question whether the Biden administration missed an opportunity to get ahead of monkeypox. You know, my girl Sunny on The View asking the hard-hitting question, sis. Did this administration miss an opportunity to get ahead of the virus? It's interesting, you know, people often compare the monkeypox response to the COVID response from a couple of years ago. And I remind people, uh, it's been about two and a half months since we first identified the first case. Um, What we have seen in that two and a half months is hundreds of thousands of vaccines out, testing widespread and available. Uh, We're doing everything at this point possible to make this easier and easier. Dr. Gottlieb is absolutely right. We've got to contain this virus. We've got to eliminate this virus from the country. I believe we can, and we're going to do it with the tools we have, testing, treatments, and vaccines. It was all bull****. Yeah, it was. (laughs) 
Yeah, it actually really was. Oh, you know what they say? Don't answer the question they ask. Ask Answer the question you wish they asked. I know. Okay, so moving on. Oh, my God. So if you are here in Los Angeles, this has now become a national story. Um, a pregnant uh, woman named Ashery Ryan. I actually had a friend that I grew up with named Ashy Ryan, but this is kind of a sad story, so let me stay focused. Um, so she was pregnant. She was only 23 and her one-year-old. They were um, all a part of this fiery crash that happened literally about how many minutes away from us? About 10. 10 minutes? It's insane. So a California Highway Patrol said that at least six or seven vehicles were involved and three became engulfed in flames. They confirmed that the driver was a 37-year-old woman. The driver, Nicole L. Linton, who according according to a friend, was drunk and fighting with her boyfriend. Uh, she has major injuries in, in um, a hospital after the destructive car crash. She has now been arrested and set to be formally charged on Monday. Six wow. people, unfortunately, have died in the crash and eight are injured in the hospital. Um, and one witness actually tried to save a baby who landed at her feet in the gas station. I can't imagine Oh, my being... God. This is why, like, you know, people who, who are like, you know, I, I'll be fine to drive. Yeah. You could ruin someone else's life. Seriously. And just Don't make it just about yours. The video, I wasn't running a red light. There was traffic. There, I mean, there was cars were going like she completely just, yeah. It was don't. I mean, uh, trigger warning if you watch the the actual video, it's intense. Let's talk Kevin Spacey, even though this isn't really any better. Um, <laughs> he has been ordered to pay nearly thirty one million dollars in damages to production to a production company MRC for alleged sexual misconduct behind the scenes of the Netflix series House of Cards. I mean, they did have to. Um, in that show because of him and honestly that last season wasn't as great as it probably could have been which is sad because I really like that season he's the worst yeah but um, I heard we have a T-report what's oh, going on oh boy do we have a T-report so um, you know our, our dear friend uh, who we don't actually know Jennifer Coolidge um, she's been reflecting on her years after a little movie called Legally Blonde and let's take a listen you know I got a lot of play of being a MILF and I um and I got a lot of sexual action from American Pie. Just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just talking about the, there were so many benefits to doing that movie. I mean, there were about like, like 200 people that I would have never had slept with. Same. Honestly, yeah. same. My bad. That was from American Pie. <laughs> That's what she was talking about. But that does remind me of something from Legally Blonde. Let's take a listen. Oh, my God. You look like the 4th of July. It makes me want a hot dog real bad. Oh, I want a hot dog, all, all I have to say if, if, is if her life is still like that, she needs to sign up for a monkeypox vaccine. <laughs> I did it this morning, Jennifer. It's so uh, easy. You can be kooky in the line and everyone will be entertained. Well, unfortunately, she's not one of the ones that... Uh, it's uh, What is it? She's not. She doesn't meet the requirements. She could have had... Listen, anybody who's had... Uh, multiple anonymous sex partners in the last 14 days. But aren't they specifically saying men? Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Wow. Sorry, Jen, you're going to have to wait. Drag her. Are you not you just misgendering Jennifer Coolidge? Wow. I'm actually the actual worst. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go set myself on fire. She also did a, a funny part of that interview where she literally came up with a housewife uh, tagline, and I can't say it here on this mic, but it is hilarious. <laughs> uh, we will share it on our Insta story at LGT Show. I'll send you where it's at. Yes. I promise, producer Shelby, I got you. Okay, so that's your team report, huh? Great job. Thank you so much for hey, bringing thanks. us that news. Thank you. Now... What in the hell is going on with HBO Max and Discovery? Another company not doing anything that we're, you know, we asked for. We're going to dive in and talk more. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
You know, it seems like social media companies aren't the only companies getting it wrong. If you're a fan of the streaming service HBO Max, well, Warner Brothers has decided to make a huge change that many people are not only upset about, but truly just confused. And if I thought I was depressed before, depression has smacked me in the face thanks to HBO Max. Joining us to help us mourn this incredibly sad time is Alyssa Miller, writer for NoFilmSchool.com. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to help us with this. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this whole debacle. No, I'm honestly quite depressed um, about it because HBO Max is one of my favorite streaming services. It feels like this came out of nowhere. Talk to us about um, where did this all start and why the changes now? It really did come out of nowhere. Uh, It happened on Tuesday with the news breaking that um, the Batgirl movie and Scoob Holiday Hunt just got shelved for no reason. And um, the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO just didn't really say why he did it until later on Wednesday when he realized that it wasn't a financially smart decision for the sake of, like, the company. Um, They didn't want to release... They don't want to release any more movies on streaming platforms. Uh, They're taking away that entire initiative that was led by the last CEO of Warner Brothers. And they are only doing theatrical releases because of how well Top Gun Maverick did. That's, that's fascinating. Because when I, I first wow. read about this, I thought, well, why don't they just throw it up instead of spending $50 million to promote it for theaters? Why don't they just throw it up on HBO Max? I thought it was because they didn't want to spend the money to pay like the back-end costs like residuals to performers and stuff. But it wasn't even that. Yeah. They were just like screw it we spent millions of dollars in this movie but because we want to change our strategy we're just not gonna we're just gonna eat that cost i thought they were trying to well, that's save money the funny part is that they are actually saving money by not releasing this film on streaming so they're being petty by not releasing it at all and just kind of you know removing art completely but they are actually able to use it as a tax write-off which is why they also removed six other max originals from hbo max wow Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, insane. It, it's literally kind of, in, in my perspective, it's a little criminal to just, like I said, erase art completely. Yeah. And from, not customer centric. Well, yeah, no, it, it's not. I mean, Bat, I mean, Batgirl, if you're following that, if you're a fan of the DC world, I mean, that movie was basically all done. And the fact that it got chopped and so many things are happening, it really does speak to these companies not thinking about their consumer. And even, I know there was a call yesterday where reporters got to talk a little bit about or hear what the game plan was for Warner. And Warner had two things about HBO Max or HBO being male-centric and Discovery Plus being women-centric. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that seems like problematic, like, all the way. It's problematic because they don't know what they're talking about. That's the thing is that their new CEO that they have at Warner does not care about filmmaking or any filmmakers. He doesn't care because he is unscripted media centric. He cares about reality TV. He doesn't care about the customer or the filmmakers or anybody. He cares about himself and what he's putting into his pocket. I mean, he made like $239 million just for buying a uh, buying Warner Brothers and doing all that he's doing right now. So wow. like he doesn't care about us. All right, that this has been the worry that I've had since AT&T sold 
Warner Brothers to Discovery was that this is this is what would happen. And and going back to this thing about male centric on HBO Max, what does that exactly mean? Because there there are some great queer shows like We're Here and Legendary. And does male mean you know heteronormative you know action films? Because if so, does that mean that shows like We're Here and Legendary might be on the chopping block? I really don't know. And that's so bizarre to me that he would call like HBO male centric because there are so many great shows that centric the LGBT community and like female empowerment and all these things. And so I feel like it was just him being like, oh, it's male centric. It's male dominant as an escape goat because he doesn't, again, know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's yeah. very fearful that like all these great pieces of media made by you know, not top-notch filmmakers, like very indie filmmakers. Mm. It's just that are on the chopping block. They could just disappear overnight, and that's terrifying, and it's tragic, and it's, it's not okay. I do think it's really interesting. You point out in your article that this is good for the theater, but bad news for HBO, HBO Max. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a conversation in the, the, the heat of the pandemic where people were wondering if we would ever return to the theaters. So people who are film folks who love the theater and who stand by it, this feels like a good idea for them. It is and isn't. I mean, as somebody who loves for film and writes for film, I mean, any opportunity I get to go to the theater, I'm going. But that's me. Um, that's just me personally. When you think about the large mass of people and, you know, the consumer, there's a lot of people who are afraid to go back to the theaters because they don't want to get COVID and they don't want to be exposed to large settings. And I completely get that. So I I was a big advocate for the day-to-date release of, like, releasing a movie in theaters and having it also available on streaming. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great plan, and I was fully supportive, supportive of that. Yeah. So for that to just be completely gone is devastating but it's great for theaters because they're gonna make money off of this <laughs> yeah there was something about watching a movie from my couch that just felt a little bit better than doing it in the theater and people. not spending 30 dollars on soda <laughs> yeah, oh my god it's safer it's cheaper <laughs> you don't have to wear pants. <laughs> oh my god well listen miller thank you so much for joining us to break this down it's so stupid and so sad <laughs> honestly it's like the most disappointing thing that's happened this week and that's saying a lot honestly it is hopefully hopefully some good comes around the corner we need it desperately (laughs) all right Alyssa miller is a writer for nofilmschool.com check out more of Alyssa's work on the website thank you so much for being here thanks for having me uh quick tease next hour we have another story about an hbo thing and i'm just gonna leave it there but it's a good one um so coming up next you know we assume that getting consumed by social media use can be a sign of addiction but it might be a sign of something else that's next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So what if instead of people being addicted, quote unquote, to social media, they're actually just disassociating or becoming so engaged that they lose track of time? So this is a this is a, an idea proffered. See how I used a $65,000 word or whatever it's called? I'm so proud of me. I didn't graduate from college. Anyway, what word? Proffered. Was that a Jeopardy joke? No, I'm just not funny. So, um, so, uh, so this this uh, person, Amanda Boghan, I think is her, how you pronounce her name. She's a PhD student um, at the University of Washington, and she has been studying for the last four years social media and its impacts on society. And she kind of she she was you know doing that thing where she you know opens her phone at the big when she wakes up, and she's like, I'm gonna check Twitter for five minutes. And then an hour later, she's starving and still looking at her phone. And um, and so she and her colleagues put together a study where they were looking at you know is it really an addiction or are are you just disassociating and disassociating can be 
all kinds of things. Like disassociating is important, especially in the times that we're living in. Right yeah, now. totally. And it can look all kinds of ways, like daydreaming, reading a book, and not paying attention to your surroundings because you get lost in it. And it can sometimes be really healthy, like you know, day, spontaneous daydreaming is part of how we learn. Um, so anyway question is like do you think that you're addicted if you're like too far in or are you just having a hyper-focused disassociation moment here's the thing i am very leery about using the word addicted at any point because i think addiction is something very serious i think it's something that um um is is something that really can impact the lives and also hearing dr chris from loveline dr donahue that's how you say his name whatever um (laughs) Um, he talks about, you know, not really, um, uh, we've had conversations off air and on air about if like a sex addiction is a real thing. Right. Mm. And so like, I feel like sometimes people add in addiction to just talk about, um, to use it to kind of weaponize something that they find to be like a, a, a an issue for themselves. Oh yeah. And putting it on everyone else. Yeah. You know, I had a conversation recently with, um, with a dear friend of mine and her mom, we were all talking about, you know, they were like, do I drink too much? Do I have an addiction problem? And I, and I we were, what we kind of landed on was there's this gray area where like, you know, sometimes there are things that we choose to do a lot of and there are, co- you know, prices we are willing to pay for that. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's an addiction because they drink a lot. I social media i think it's so like i i mean it has its downsides of course but what doesn't and i think it's so important to to know that when we were locked in the house i mean clubhouse Mm -hmm. literally was something that reunited so many of like my community together yeah i mean staying up to like three or four in the morning just talking and just like felt like we were in the same room with each other Mm -hmm. like Instagram was, you know, Instagram Live when they were getting their act together and being able to see face to face and then creating a community that was watching the conversation that were being had. Like, it's all, there's been so many wonderful moments for me that I've enjoyed that it's been nice to use social media as a thing of distraction. Yeah. One of the things I used social media for was watching movies with people. Like, you would sync up the movie. And watch it, and you could pause throughout and talk about what it. What are you stuff. doing on that one? That was before they had. There are apps now that do it, but we were doing it ma- I manually didn't do, like, on watch like, parties and stuff. Oh, you were like, oh, let's press play. Yeah, and so we were on Facetime oh. together. Yeah, and when one of us had to pee, all of us stopped the movie. Gr- I stopping no movie. Can I say <laughs> there are so many means to do that now? Like watch something together, and my roommate still decides to be on the phone with her boyfriend. Say, okay, three, two, one, press play, and then keeps him on speaker That's hilarious. for the whole duration of it. I'm like, yeah. you're wearing your headphones for the movie, but he's still there on speaker, and I can hear the movie through his phone. I'm like, can you use? First of all, it's always going to be off sync. Use yeah. like WatchParty.com or whatever. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, Disney Plus, your phone. Disney Plus has a watch party feature. Netflix has a watch party yeah. feature. Everyone basically has a watch party feature. I'm beginning to think that, by the way, that your roommate may have control issues. <laughs> there, there's a lot of conversation. Well, actually, coming up next, we have her roommate on the line. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Oh my God, the future is here because apparently, um, you know. I think of the future in the ways where I'm a, I was a huge fan of the Back to the Future yes. uh, trilogies. And um, when they showed what, what was the year specifically? I think it was like a, a year that we've already passed. That oh, was like I can't remember what it was. so futuristic. Hit- flying cars, yeah. hoverboards. You know, the Jetsons life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, futurologists, which I'm assuming those are people who predict the future. They study the potential they get, future or something. They get paid for that. <laughs> I don't know that second part. I'm not sure about. I mean, I'm assuming. Well, this we future- get paid for this. 
first of all, this is valuable. <laughs> Thank you. No, but this futurologist says that uh, waterless dishwashers, self-stocking fridges, vertical farms will be mainstream by 2050. Oh my God, how old am I going to be in 2050? Yeah, oh, you were literally doing the math right now. Here's yeah. the thing. I I live in Star Trek. 57? They better have, uh, I don't know, restockable like limbs and stuff so 100%. I can just... by then 57 will be the new 20 yeah like I, I think they also say that like the medical singularity is like 2035 and if you live till then you can live forever because of medical advancements that'll happen by then yeah and I'm like I'm not sure I wanna well here's the thing I've always loved the, the idea of the future I've always loved the idea of like technology mm. and the ways that it would evolve like that's been something that I've always been into as like yes. a little kid and so for me I've like fantasized about these ideas of like, oh, oh my God. So what does it mean if there's like abilities to, to, you know, cure, you know, diseases and there's a, a, to expand your life expectancy and like, depending on what the state of the climate is and we're not like all like living underground or something, Mm -hmm. I'm so down to like be here for as long as possible, you know, like being 120 looking a great smooth 65. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that weird? No. I... Uh, maybe it's just because I'm from a different generation, but I do not want to see past 80. Really? I'm done. Yeah, no. That's I so didn't funny. ask to be born. <laughs> I did not ask to live this life, so I'm going to do my dues. If I'm out before 80, that's fine, too. My, my dad used to say, if I make it to 80, because he's sober and he quit smoking, he said, if I make it to 80, I'm going to buy a, a, a fifth of Jack Daniels and a carton of cigarettes. And just let it go. Just let it go. And he's real close. I think he turned... Yeah, he's close. So... Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I mean, to be honest, I... I love the future, but I also still kind of get a little overwhelmed when, like, sometimes my my uh, my Amazon Echo like just randomly turns on, or mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I know my iPhone is sitting here, I can talk about like gloves, and then I know the next minute it's going to be like commercials yeah. about gloves popping all down my phone. Like, so there are some things about you know the future that are that feel a little bit. Uh, weird and uncomfortable, especially when you think about like movies like iRobot or if oh, you yeah. watch a show like Westworld, which love is wild. Um, but I don't know. I'm super into this idea. I think this is really, really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of you know, I've read articles that say that scientists are often inspired by stuff like in Star Trek, and some of the things we have today that are reminiscent of Star Trek mm-hmm. are because that they, you know, that was an inspirational place for them. Actually, I don't think it was Star Trek. I think it was Xenon. Yeah, yeah, same thing. You know, I will live in space. She's the reason why I even entertain the idea of living in space. That's hilarious. In a space not uh, not our state. dying planet. Um, uh, but you know, we True. were talking today, earlier today or yesterday, about traffic or something, and, and I was thinking about you know, in Star Trek, they use transporter technology to just get from France to L.A. in the moment. In a moment, can you imagine if that's how we got around? Yeah, that's what Power Rangers did. Yeah, I mean, let's live like that now, please. Okay, why not? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.